Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's all about uh, your grace. It's not what we do. And we can spend our lives and our days uh, trying to do uh, to win your favor, others' favor. You give it freely. I pray that we would receive it each day. I pray that new people would receive it today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. And uh, please turn to Titus. Uh, Titus is a letter Paul wrote to Titus towards the back of your Bible. We're going to be in Titus chapter 3 today. Actually, a passage that uh, God convicted me with uh, while we were in Italy. Uh, And again, uh, thank you for praying for us. Uh, Those of y'all that did pray for us while we're in Italy. Uh, If you did not pray for us, then hopefully you'll hang around uh, to get to know the ministry that you would pray for us or know the power of prayer uh, to pray uh, daily. Because something that I was convicted about uh, in meeting the pastors uh, and church planners in Italy uh, was their seriousness about prayer. Um, And here's what I mean that. We got to meet pastors who uh, would talk so much about their church and love their church uh, and believe that the power of God was working uh, and it would be a handful of folks, like six people was a church, uh, or ten people was a church, uh, or twenty people. Uh, and in a, in a dark place, and it is very spiritually dark, uh, they had to rely and trust in the power of prayer, uh, which often we take for granted. Um, something else that uh, the Lord convicted me about while I was over there was uh, the urgency uh, for the message of the gospel. Uh, And we'll talk about that uh, here in a bit. But what I mean is that in Italy, uh, for every one church, there's 45,000 people. Did you hear me on that? So for 45,000 people, you know, there's one church. uh, And that's it. And so uh, the number of folks who who don't hear the gospel uh, is is astounding. Um, Here we have kind of a different issue. Everybody has exposure to it, you know, do they receive it? Well, we'll see one day. Uh, but the urgency to, to preach, uh, to proclaim uh, the gospel all across the world, because, um, and, and this is the gospel, and we don't know how much time we have. I don't know how much time I have. I mean, I hope I have years and years. I may not have tomorrow. I may not have next week. Uh, but to know, to hear about Jesus, and to really know what he's about, Grace, good news, and to receive him. So the Lord convicted me on those two things, the heart of pastors and the heart for people who need to hear the gospel. But let's read in Titus, Titus chapter 3, and I do believe uh, these 11 verses, verse 1 through 11, share the gospel in a very clear way. It says verse 1, and this is Paul writing to Titus. And by the way, I love uh, Titus and Timothy, the letters... And I'd say this, if you are a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian, uh, you could easily just put your name in place of Timothy and Titus and act like he's writing to you. Because these are very instructional letters on on how to be a Christian. So he says to Titus and to us, chapter 3, verse 1, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. 
For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Where we live, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, where our church is, 39211, this corner, uh, we have the blessing of the church. Uh, Not just this church, I mean the church in general. Uh, what, I, what I mean by that is we live in, in this place where, I mean, there's a lot of blessings with church. Uh, just yesterday, I was honored to be part of a beautiful wedding. A flower's still there. Love those, my mom was a florist, so I have to acknowledge that. Beautiful flowers, beautiful time, beautiful building, all good. You know, that's a blessing. And, and we as people, whether you're Christian or not, receive blessings of the church over and over again. Uh, yesterday, a home. Was, was renovated. The blessing of a church family. Uh, you just saw uh, people join a church family and hear how uh, they have been blessed. They just got blessed by getting a selfie. You know, there are all these blessings that, that we as people, as a body, in reaching out the arms and legs of Jesus, we bless each other. And it's a blessing that we can come here and, and God provided with this place you know, each and every Sunday, uh, Wednesdays if you want to, other night. I mean, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Church is a blessing. We also live in this place with the burden of church. You know, how's church a burden? It can be a, a big burden. It can be a big burden. Oh, well, how would that be? Well, it's the burden of, uh, one, people who just, who are not Christian and think they are Christian. Because church is so, like, widespread. Uh, also, it's a burden uh, because we can get, man, we, we love, you know, our church. And, and we love what, uh, how we feel here. Uh, but then there's so many other people out there who don't know Jesus or maybe who think they know Jesus. I mean, maybe they, you know, think they're part of a church, come every now and then. Maybe they're CME, you know, Christmas, Mother's Day, Easter. Um, you know, but we have this burden that we live in like church world. You know, I mean, what did I say? In, in Italy, it's one church for 45,000 people. Here, I mean, it's 45 for 1,000 people. I mean, or something like that. Can I get an amen on that? Maybe you disagree. Okay, thank you. It's true. But it's something, we live in church world. And, and, like it's a, and then you're like, well, yeah, I want you to come to this church and this church and the church hop. And, you know, it's like all this churchiness. And people need to hear the gospel and the good news, and find Jesus, and then some people, some of y'all, a lot of y'all, I will say, might think you know Jesus, and you don't. 
He's being real, being clear. So it's the blessing of church and then the burden of like, well, who, how do we see Jesus and how do we know who's got Christ and who's saved? And so there's this burden. Uh, Francis Chan, who uh, I know a lot of y'all have read, um, and you can read Francis Chan, you're like, man, I thought I was a Christian, but after reading him, I don't know. Um, and I recommend his books. But he, he preaches a lot about how, how pastors, churches in the Bible Belt have a tougher job than in like, say, San Francisco or Boston or Italy because you just don't know. But we can proclaim the gospel. And, you know, this church was founded on a verse called John 10, 16. And I'll put it up on screen, but I underlined something different uh, today. I think it was underlined. Is it underlined? Yes, it is underlined. That's not underlined up there. John 10, 16. I love this verse. Because it says there are others. And there are others in our lives. Uh, Folks you bump into in the supermarket. uh, Folks you buy a cup of coffee from. uh, Folks you go to, um, you see out and about at dinner or a movie. uh, People that you work with. uh, Maybe has a next door office. There are others who need to hear the gospel. But God convicted me of something this week on this verse. I've never, I preached on this verse. I mean... Proclaim this verse, and I've never seen this until this week. Just the awesome power of God. It says, not of this fold. Not of this fold. Well, it always says that, and you always say that. Yeah, but God really convicted me of this. Here's what I mean. There are others. Translation, uh, not of your affinity. Not of your tribe. People who are not like you. Because you think about a fold is like, hey, it's a pack. Like we're, we're together, we're moving. And Jesus is saying there's others that are, that are not like us. Or Jesus said to me, just in my own devotional time, Jesus said, there are others not like you. There are others that you don't necessarily like. And hey, I'm going to. And so should you. Uh, there are people that like you wouldn't want to hang out with or go to dinner with or go to a movie with and, and you need to go. And I've never, in, in, I guess, eight years of bellwether, preaching on that, I've never, not of this fold. And the burden of church, again, is that we get into our, our pack, our tribe, our fold, and like, we're good. Well, we're good. And yet Jesus says there are others, and they're, they're not, of, not of y'all. And I'm going to them. You coming? We're going to stay with the fold. God's called me to go, and sometimes going's hard. So let me just say that to y'all who may not feel led to go or say, man, I'm, I'm good here. God's called me to go, and I'm going. Even folks that are not in my fold, not in my tribe, not in my pack, because that is, that is the gospel. And that's not about Bell with the church. That's just the gospel. That's Jesus. That's on him. And so I'm just preaching, proclaiming it, that that's what we should do. I don't know if you are going to do it or not, but I'm just, you know, it's not what I say. It is what God's Word says. It's what we should do if we believe. Now, what do we do as we go? Um, We preach the gospel. The reason I read this passage, Titus 3, is, and again, God kind of led me to it, and I love it now because it's very, very clear what God has done for us. So I want to go back through it a bit. And um, when I say gospel, I don't know, some of y'all may have heard me say that or other preachers, and you say, what's the gospel? Is that like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Or, 
gospel like, is that like kind of a churchy word? Well, yes, in both cases. But the gospel literally means good news. So when I say we preach the gospel, uh, go and proclaim the gospel, it's good news. Did I say bad news? Did I say bad news? You can shake your head. Neil, shake your head. No, I didn't say bad news, right? I said good news. What's good news? Good news is like, hey, your team won regardless of how you felt yesterday. Good news is, got, I don't know, you got a promotion. Good news is saying, you know, hey, um, you know, come hang out with me. Or good news is, hey, you know, I'm going on a date with somebody I'm going to go on a date with. Good news is like good stuff. Gospel means good news. And, and interestingly, the, the literal translation for the word, gospel, Old English, meant God's spell which is fascinating to me because it's like God casts his awe upon you and you see differently. And I really believe that's what it means to be a Christian. Like you see your life and your days individually and your eternity, so forever and ever, differently. I love that. God's spell that captivates us. It's what it's supposed to do. It's what it's supposed to do where you see different. And there's a change, there's that word again, in our life. So hear here the gospel in Titus 3. He begins, he says, remind them, and these are people in verse 1, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Now, those two verses, that's not the gospel. That's like being nice. That is being a good citizen. And let me say this. A lot of folks, for a lot of folks, that is their gospel. That's just like how we should live. That's like what we should do. Um, Be respectful. Be submissive. uh, Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarrels. And show perfect courtesy. Uh, Most folks, they stop right there. Seriously, most folks stop right there. Most folks who think they're Christians stop right there. Most folks think that is being Christian. Be courteous. Hey, don't get into quarrels. Hey, protect our relationships. I mean, that's important down here. And just, you know, be a good person. Most folks stop right there. Most religions outside of Christianity end right there. Gospel's different. It actually gets worse before it gets better, as does this passage Paul goes on, for we ourselves, look at this, were once uh, foolish, disobedient, slaves to various passions and pleasures, uh, passing our days, and listen to what he says, in malice and envy. Malice is hate and envy. So you're going on through your days, you're hating and you're envying what other folks have. Bad combination. Then he clears up even more, hated by others and hating one another. Uh, the gospel does, if you preach it, it gets worse before it gets better. So let me not say this about y'all, let me just say this about me, okay? Just me here, okay? So nobody gets offended. And you might even if I say it, you probably will, but I deserve death and hell. M- me, John Hugh, I deserve death and hell. I believe that. I believe that that is the gospel. So I believe that for, for me. I can't talk, about, can't talk about you. I'm not going to do that. But I will say it for me. That that's where I believe I should be. I'll never forget this. I was probably 
11, 12, 14, right when I really kind of started listening in a service, and my pastor said, you know, we deserve hell and we get heaven. It's the first time I'd ever heard that. Now, he didn't say it as explicitly as, like, I deserve death and hell, but I was afraid, like, we deserve... I just kind of blew my mind. I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. I do now. Not because I think it or just because it's in the Bible. So that's what I believe, yet it gets much, much better. In the gospel, we're worse than we ever thought, and we're more loved than we ever dreamed. You're more loved than you ever dreamed. Because it says, verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Goodness, that doesn't say bad. The goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Somebody say, beginning of verse 5, three words. What does it say? What does it say, Neil? Beginning of verse 5, uh, different translation, my bad. Mine says, he saved us. It's all right. It's all right, different translation. We'll get into you. He saved us. He saved us. Does it say money saved us? No. Does it say Rolodex saved us or contact list saved us or profession save us or that you've done good in your life save us? The gospel is he saved us. Not because of works, as Brother Neil said, but according to his own mercy. By the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And I love this because he really breaks down baptism here too. Uh, Washing. We always talk in baptism. We're going to have baptisms next Sunday. That it is uh, symbolic of what the Holy Spirit has already done in a person's heart and life. So what you're seeing, what you will see on Sunday, the Holy Spirit has done this in this person's life, washed over, made clean, made new. So we don't have to carry, and I love this, guilt or the burden of the past. It, it is clean. And you know, one thing I see in pastoring is so many folks who are Christians carry guilt and stains from their past that have been washed away by Jesus. We believe, like, you're a Christian, man. It's, it's done. It's done. Amen? Amen. It's done by Jesus, but your past is done. It's washed away. And then I love this word, regeneration. I talked about this before. Regeneration, it's like a light that is dead. And, you know, sometimes we'll have a dead light in here. And people have noticed these, okay? Saying amen? Amen. So say amen. There you go. But sometimes they, they go back on again. And I think about a light. Think about a light or a light bulb that's dead. And it goes back on again. It's regenerated. We don't want you dead in here, spiritually, or emotionally, or psychologically, before physical death. We want you lit up. Amen? Not me, not any other bringer of the word. Jesus Christ lights you up. Amen? Regeneration. You were dead and you're you're alive again. The light has fired you up. And renewal day by day by the Holy Spirit. And then look, going verse 7. So that being justified by His grace, we might be heirs. Heirs. As in like we get an inheritance. That is both present, salvation, which is peace, which I call serene confidence that you can walk boldly yet humbly at the same time. That's not a distinction. Through school, through work, through life. 
And it's a future inheritance too that we cannot fathom. That is real. We're heirs. Heirs to the throne. The throne of grace. This is the gospel. It is is so much better than many of us ever realized in our, and growing up in Sunday school even. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things, I love this, these things are excellent and profitable for people. These things are excellent and profitable. That is good stuff, profitable. Like it, it helps you more, more than we realize. And then verse 9, this passage, it it ends interestingly because he's given all this like big, huge, grandiose, gospel, good stuff. And then he ends with like personal relationships. And so often we don't even do these next couple verses. We just gossip about people. Verse 9, it says, Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels that are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. We never do that. Have nothing more to do. And we just kind of act nice. Amen? I mean, at least some of you believe that. Knowing such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. I believe Paul added that because the gospel is this big, cosmic, life-changing picture, but it impacts these personal relationships. And we have, we should have, the protection of a church and a church family that doesn't just make us feel good, but proclaims new life over and over again, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, in groups, that it is life-changing, that it's bigger than, than we ever thought, that is regenerating, you are dead and you are lit up, and your past is washed clean, white as snow, not because of what we did, not even about a prayer of repentance because of what Jesus did. And then it impacts these relationships that we can do this and we can walk in what I call serene confidence of the gospel. And it changes people's lives. Changed my life. It does. So, I'm going to close with a couple words real quick. Uh, first off, many of us, uh, we, we live in conflict with ourselves. We're wrestling. And I'm going to throw myself in there too, Okay. So many of us, we're, we're wrestling with saving ourselves. Uh, now, the, the formula could be different. Uh, for some, well, if I have, you know, this much money, and, and you've heard me say that before, but you've got to throw it again, because money is, it's an idol. It, it's an idol. If I have so much money, or even like, hey, I'm giving, man. Why are you saying this? Why are you hitting on money coming, coming up at the end of the year? I mean, I'm giving. Well, I mean... The Lord doesn't take notice of what you give. He takes notice of what you keep. Just say that. You think about that. But the idolatry of money and wealth. Like, it's going to save me. It won't. Uh, the idolatry of social schedules and social circles. Well, if, if I have those friends or if I'm in there, you know, I'm good. Uh, and, and often, and a lot of you, I mean, you get there, and you realize it doesn't save you. Or maybe it's just, you know, just fun and just living vicariously. Or just, if I can just do this. If I can travel, I'd, I'd love to sign up for that mission trip to Italy. You know, that will, just having that life, seeing beauty, that will save me. We wrestle with this stuff. And we are constantly in conflict. 
And the gospel provides an answer. But it, there's a challenge. Because you've got to give some stuff up. I mean, you've got to really, like, turn and trust in Jesus. So, so for me, for us, and I say us, my wife and I, like, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot. And I'm not saying materially. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't have a lot. We have Jesus. And so how we want to live our lives, and I love this verse, it's Acts 3, 6. It's Peter and John, and they see this lame guy, and he's asking for silver and gold. So many people know, man, silver and gold. And it's not just folks that walk up to church, you know, on Sundays or during the week. Man, just man, give me opportunity. Give me advantage. Give me relationship. Give me connection. Give me silver and gold. I love what they said. Silver and gold I do not have. What I do have, Jesus of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. So many of y'all in our church, in this, in this little church, this little great church, need to rise and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And you're like, okay, but, you know, who is this Jesus again? Is he just, you know, I know he's saving everything. Let me show you one more picture of Jesus. This is in Hebrews 1. Two and three. You may have never seen Jesus like this. You may have seen him in a manger. You may have seen him on the cross. You may have seen him feeding the 5,000. You may have seen him healing. You may have seen him looking like a hippie with sandals and all this. Let me see. show you this picture of Jesus, okay? Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. In these last days, he, God, has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed as the heir of all things. And, oh, by the way, if we're his heirs, as in Titus, that means we're heirs of all things. Through whom also he created the world. So your Savior is also your creator. I don't know if you ever heard it like that, but he is. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And look at this. He holds the universe. Did it say earth? No. Did it say solar system? No. Did it say milk? No. The universe, by the word of his power, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Your Savior is also your creator. Uh, your Savior is also the sustainer of all that is. So all that is. I mean, the, what we see, what we don't see, He upholds the universe. That's, that's the Jesus I believe in. That's the Jesus who is my Savior. It's the Jesus I give my life to. The Jesus that, that I beg without pride and implore you and your families to give your life to. And when that happens, there is a change. There is a change. You see your day is different each day. Who you meet. We go outside of our fold and our tribe. We see each person as worthy of God's love. And that we might be used as His instrument to have a conversation or a cup of coffee or to share the gospel boldly. Praise God. You see your life different, that it is not all this constant search uh, for either wealth or position or fame or success, and that it goes into eternity. And there is this picture that we can't see, but one day by the glory of God, we will understand and understand fully and really see that there are no accents in Christianity and that you are here for a purpose 
for a great position in your life that is God-given, man, it'll be, it'll be awesome. I see glimpses of that daily. That's the only thing that keeps me doing what I'm doing because, man, it's hard. I mean, people, I heard one pastor say it, people are stupid. <laughs> I mean, they did. Like, but, and he, he quoted Paul. People are ignorant. Paul, 1 Corinthians. They're not going to believe. There's glory, though. It's real. I give my life to it. I want you to. I want you to today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of the gospel, that it does captivate us when we really see it. Lord, Lord, forgive us when we don't. Forgive us if we don't believe it. Forgive us when there are opportunities we don't proclaim it. And Lord, just let your light shine regardless of our brokenness and our sin and so that people may be regenerated by your power. That's what is, we want to see. That's what we know will happen. Regenerate us today by your life, by your light, by your grace, by your power. I know that's, that's possible. I know miracles can happen. And it's just a heart transformed. Thank you, Lord, that you do this work. Your name, amen.